Welcome to the Ribbon Box Podcast. I'm Eloise, the founder. Each week we bring you expert interviews, reader stories, holistic offers and more. Subscribe to our podcast for free to become an insider and never miss an episode. Hello, good morning. Welcome today on the Ribbon Box Podcast. We are joined by guest Dr. Laura Mooney at Randox Health who is here to talk about the Every Mother Test at Randox. Welcome, Laura. Hello, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to speak to you. And uh, we have spoken offline before this because in case people listening don't know, I am 30 weeks pregnant with twins and I recently had the Every Mother Test through Randox Health. And so we're going to talk a little bit about my results, but generally what this can mean specifically to pregnancy. Before we start, please could you just give us a little bit of background about you and Randox? Yes, so I am a scientist with, with Randox Health um, and I work extensively in our research department and in terms of the communication that we provide to our Randox Health clients. So I'm very much involved in how we incorporate new tests into our health packages and then helping to explain what those tests mean to to our customers so that when they receive the results, they understand what the, the, the findings mean for them. Could you just explain um, when people would normally have this test done? Generally, the, we, it, it sort of split into... Um, Three, three parts, if you like. So you would have the, the first set of tests um, in the, the, the second trimester, so from, from sort of 20 weeks onwards. And that's where we look at all the things that we have discussed this morning. Um, so that is all of your, like your iron levels and the blood sugar and the full blood count and the various different things that are in there. And then we would have a, a second set of tests within the third trimester. And here we focus more specifically on on nutrition. So just again, coming back to the things like your iron, is there any evidence of deficiency? Is our B12, vitamin D, calcium, all of those things, are they still within healthy ranges to help support um, us through the, the latter stages of the pregnancy? And then following on from that, we have um, a, 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 a larger panel of tests that we then do following the birth of the baby. Um, so you can come back and get an idea of your post-pregnancy health. And this looks at a range of different things. It includes all of the things you will already have been tested on uh, and looks at sort of the you, other factors that are related to, to, to health more generally. So like your kidney function, your liver function, your sort of cholesterol profile, things that can contribute to risk of heart disease, but also keeping an eye on those things like the the, the, the diabetes health and all of the nutrition, you know, that everything has, you know, that those levels have been maintained or if they were perhaps a little low during pregnancy, have you been able to bring those levels back up to normal? So it's a very extensive range of tests that give a really good insight into your, your health pregnancy, uh, during pregnancy, but then again, post-pregnancy as well. Brilliant. Thank you so much for summarising that. First of all, I'd love to know, what is a full blood count? Because we have it requested by doctors a lot or sometimes depending on your circumstances and it'd be good to know what the key markers are and why that test is requested. Okay so yes you're absolutely right a full blood count is is a frequently requested test and it's because it's such a useful screening tool. Um, With a full blood count what we're looking at are the 
the types of cells in the blood and, and their numbers. So for instance, we would look at white blood cells and these can be useful indicators of things like inflammation and infection. And then we also look at your, your red blood cells and your, your hemoglobin levels. Um, so th these are the cells that carry the oxygen around the blood. And if you don't have enough um, red blood cells or hemoglobin, you know, then your oxygen um, levels can, can drop, your ability to um, do activities uh, and certain things like that. So, for instance, if you were, your red cells were low, your hemoglobin was low, that could be a sign of anemia. And that can leave you feeling very tired, it can leave you feeling weak, it can lead to shortness of breath. So the full blood count helps to look at all of those, all of those factors. So I recently, as I mentioned, I had the Every Mother test done at Randox Health last week. Um, and could you explain to people what this test involves and when women would normally have this? I'm, as I said, in my third trimester. So just, just was on the cusp of going into the third trimester. So in terms of when that this test would be would be done um it, it may be done um if if a woman is presenting with particular symptoms so they might want to investigate um whether or not anemia is likely so of course with pregnancy tiredness sort of comes with the territory but perhaps if there's excessive tiredness or um changes that maybe don't, just don't seem quite normal for you then that's when that test might be be requested but also um i believe that sort of around the in in terms of a standard sort of um pregnancy care a full blood count may be recommended um from about 28 weeks or thereabouts and isonophil what do we mean by an example yes. count? Because this is something that was raised as high in my results. Yes. So isonophils are, are a type of white blood cell. Um, and what they are responsible for are um, the likes of allergic reactions. So if, if you were to have a high level, that might be because you've had a recent allergic response. Um, so that could be anything from hay fever to perhaps eczema so if you had some sort of skin reaction um, then you might have a, a sort of temporary rise in your zonophils and then that would um, come back down to normal as the, the allergy resolves. I think we discussed that for me personally this might be because I suffer from chronic urticaria which has never been um, I've never sort of had a, a proper diagnosis as to what the cause for that is. Do you think that's why my, mine may have spiked perhaps? Perhaps, yeah, absolutely. That that that's the type of thing that um, an isonophil count could could um, go up with. So it is it is like you know it's possible that that was the reason for your slightly raised level. But I think it's important to consider the the, the whole um, all the different white blood cells. So we'd be looking at you know your your lymphocyte count and your neutrophil count as well, and um, you know and it's it's making sure that everything's in balance. So a, a sort of temporary elevation in an isonophil count is unlikely to be too worrying if everything else is in range and as you said if you have a, an underlying condition that may well explain why that was up for you. What about if it's on the low side what does that mean? On the low side could potentially be um, you, you may be producing higher amounts of adrenal hormones so things like cortisol so if you have a cortisol excess in the body that may um, cause the zonophil count to go down um, likewise stress some you know there's suggestions that stress could perhaps um, affect it but again we would be looking at everything in in balance you know looking to see what the overall white cell count looks like 
And then moving on to iron status. So I know iron is frequently tested in pregnancy. It can often be low. Is that right? What measurement do you use for this and, and why? Okay, so the iron status, yes, absolutely. Um, iron deficiency is common in, in pregnancy. I mean, and it's, it's hardly surprising because the, the, the requirements for iron are, are, are three times higher during pregnancy. So, of course, the risk of deficiency would go up. So in terms of our iron status, what we're looking for here is any evidence of iron deficiency, but also on the flip side, if there's maybe too much iron in the body, um, because both both can be damaging. Um, so this, the, sort of the key tests, I guess, that we're looking at within iron status are ferritin level and your transferrin saturation. So ferritin is uh, an iron storage protein, and it will go down if your iron stores are, are becoming depleted. And then your transferrin is, is an iron transport protein, so it's transporting iron around the blood. Um, and again, if, if the levels of the, the transferrin saturation are coming down, that would be another sign that perhaps there's there's iron deficiency there. Um, so those are the, the, the key things um, we're looking at in terms of iron deficiency. You've mentioned um, why this happens in pregnancy. Why is it so important in pregnancy? And also, why is it important for those who are trying to conceive or having treatment, for example? Well, I guess, you know, obviously iron is, is vitally important for um, red blood cell production. It's, 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 it's what forms the um, contained within haemoglobin. And without it, um, you don't produce enough healthy red blood cells. And this can have a knock-on effect on your, your energy levels, your, um, you know, you, you begin to feel very tired, um, you may develop breathlessness. You know, it's very important for, for, for your, um, your blood and, and everything being healthy as well as for the developing baby. As you can imagine, the requirements for iron increase so much because you've obviously got, you're growing a baby and then you all this extra, um, extra blood extra blood volume. Um, so it, it's vitally important that iron is, uh, levels are kept within a healthy, a healthy range. It's interesting you mentioned about breathlessness because I'm really struggling with that at the moment. I mean, I am carrying twins and I am now in the third trimester, but even walking up a flight of stairs or getting into bed, it's insane. So I guess, you know, with things like that, you know, if, if um, when you're coming for testing and you, and you do mention symptoms, um, that's always something that we would always advise that you discuss with either your midwife or your doctor. Certainly iron deficiency can you know, lead to breathlessness if, if deficiency becomes quite um, severe. But as you've mentioned, you are, you know, carrying twins and that does put an enormous um, strain on, on the body. So, yeah, I think if there's anything that's at all concerning, you should always just relay that back to your midwife or doctor just to get some, some advice about that. Um, my TIBC level came back high. Could you tell me what that means? And is it a worry if it's low? Yep, absolutely. So TIBC um, stands for total iron binding capacity. So it's basically how able is the blood to how um what is the capacity of the blood to um carry iron so you imagine if if, if iron um, goes down then the tibc goes up so what we are looking for if it's um deficiency of iron is that your tibc would be higher than normal now having said that it is quite a common finding in pregnancy particularly at the later stages for tibc 
um, to go up. Um, and as I said before, the sort of the key things that we would be looking at are your ferritin and your transferrin saturation. So ferritin itself is a very um, useful sort of sensitive test for iron deficiency. So if it was low, um, that would be more of a concern than an isolated raised um, TIBC. Got it. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Thank you. Um, and then okay. in terms of... No treatment plan um, recommendation to bring iron levels in range during pregnancy, do you suggest that? Mm -hmm. Or even if you're trying to conceive and you want to get your iron to a certain level, would you recommend that you do that through supplementation and or through diet? Well, it, it, it could be it could be a bit of both. Um, I guess it would depend on the severity of the deficiency. So, are, you know, are iron levels showing sort of early signs of, of depletion or are your stores really quite low? So a doctor may determine that an oral iron um, supplement is is required. So of course, um, during pregnancy, we would always recommend that you discuss any sort of change to supplements or anything like that with a doctor because the doctor may want to prescribe a particular strength of supplement that you may not be able to get from the pharmacy, for instance. Um, so again, that would be very much um, up to you know, the, the doctor following some medical advice based on, on your particular levels. I mean, having said that, there are some good things that you can do in terms of diet that can help with iron. So, for instance, lean meat, green leafy vegetables, and also vitamin C. Vitamin C helps to boost iron absorption. So making sure that you're incorporating, you know, those, those types of um fruits and vegetables and things in your diet um, that may help but of course if iron has fallen quite low diet alone may not be sufficient to bring it back up to within a healthy level so again um, we would always recommend that you just discuss that with um, the doctor and make sure that you're you're getting the correct the correct um, supplement at the correct dose makes make, that makes complete sense um and yeah. moving on to gestational diabetes this is something that's mm -hmm. always concerned me um in pregnancy um in my third pregnancy now my results or risk level showed showed that it could be high um but subsequently i have had it retested and i don't have gestational diabetes which is a relief but what should people yes, know about the risk for gestational diabetes and should everyone who's pregnant test for this at a certain point in their pregnancy well i guess with, with gestational diabetes i mean it can affect it can affect anyone in pregnancy but there are certain people who have perhaps at greater risk. So things that would put your risk of developing gestational diabetes up would be um, obesity. So if you had a high BMI pre-pregnancy, that would be one of the risk factors, as is increasing age. So the, the older you are when you fall pregnant, that can increase, increase your risk. If in previous pregnancies you have developed gestational diabetes, that can then increase your risk in subsequent pregnancies. But again, that would be something that you would be aware of and obviously would be managed um, appropriately for that. Um, if you have a family history of diabetes, so for instance, if your parents have diabetes or siblings, um, that can also be a risk factor. And another thing is, um, you know, baby's birth weight. So if in previous pregnancies you've had a baby who has, you know, the baby's been born and perhaps her birth weight has been like above, I think it's about 10 pounds. Um, you know, these sort of high birth weight babies that um, in, in previous pregnancies that can also contribute to risk in subsequent pregnancies. So, I mean, it, it's 
it's not always the case that if you develop gestational diabetes that there's going to be a problem and many people go on to have normal pregnancies and, 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 and deliver healthy babies. Um, but I guess it's just about being aware and that if you are diagnosed with gestational diabetes that you are able to, to, to get that under control, to, to limit any sort of complications that might arise. Absolutely. Great advice. And for anyone listening, um, please do head to the description of the podcast to check out the massive range of um, expert tests which Randox Health uh, provide. We have an exclusive discount code, which is 10% off with the code TRB10. Now, talking about urinalysis, I can see that ketones mentioned here, uh, which we've linked, we've seen linked to the keto diet before. What should you know about urinalysis in pregnancy, for example? Well, well, similar to full blood count, urinalysis is just a very useful test for picking up um, lots of different things. So both in pregnancy and, and outside of pregnancy. Um, but what basically what the urinalysis is doing is we're looking for things that really shouldn't be in the urine or will only ever be there in very small amounts. So this could be red blood cells, it could be protein or, or uh, glucose, so for instance sugar, which could perhaps indicate um, that there's an issue with gestational diabetes. Um, so it's a, it's a very useful test uh, in that way. We're look, As I say, we're looking for things that wouldn't normally be in the urine and they can highlight that there's perhaps um, an underlying issue going on there. Can a urine analysis pick up things like UTIs, etc.? Yes, no, it, it can. And, and I guess, you know, risk for UTI does go up with pregnancy as well. Um, so with, within the urinalysis, um, we look at, um, we can look for evidence of white blood cells, um, which would signify perhaps that there's an infection um, somewhere in the urinary tract. And then we also look for nitrites that would occur with um, a bacterial infection. So for instance, if, if you were experiencing symptoms of a urinary tract infection if you maybe had some pain or burning when going to the toilet that that type of thing um, if your urinalysis showed that there was white cells there then it's more than likely uh, a UTI and then that can be be treated um, accordingly and you mentioned the, the the ketones before so again yes we're th- that would be a, a, another thing that we look at in the in the urinalysis and when ketones are present in the urine that can raise suspicion for gestational diabetes, but we would be looking at the likes of your blood glucose and your your urine sugar as well to to, to sort of rule 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 in or rule out um, a likely uh, gestational diabetes. Um, ketones might appear in the urine um, because of, as I said, diabetes, but also. If you've fasted for a long time or if you have a diet that's particularly low in carbohydrates, because ketones appear when the body turns to fat for for its energy. So instead of burning sugar, it burns fats. um, And then you get these ketones as a a sort of byproduct of the fat metabolism. So if you have ketones in your urine, that could be a potential reason for that. Makes sense. Thank you for explaining that. Another thing from my every mother test was looking at nutritional status. So Mm -hmm. um, it looked at albumin, calcium, magnesium, iron, folic acid, vitamin B12 and vitamin D. Are these the most crucial micronutrients during pregnancy? So these are some of the key things, um, you know, for, for pregnancy, and, and we've, we've touched on some of them already. The likes of the the iron levels and, and, and its links to anemia, which is which is um, more common in pregnancy. And then you have the likes of your vitamin B12 and your folic acid. 
And of course, we're, we're very aware of folic acid and its importance um, during pregnancy. Um, and vitamin B12, equally, it's, it's important for nerve function and it's important for developing healthy red blood cells. So it's very important that you have adequate levels of these, of these vitamins to support you during your pregnancy, but also to support the, the, the developing baby, making sure that everything develops as well as, uh, um, as it should, as it were. And other factors then would be things like the vitamin D and, and calcium. So, of course, these are factors that are very, very important for, for strong, healthy bones. Um, and that's key during um, baby development. And we know very much so in the UK that vitamin D is often on the low end. Um, if, if you're supplementing, then you, you likely will have a, an adequate amount of vitamin D. But it is very important that we are aware of, of vitamin D because it's very easy to become deficient in the UK due to the lack of um, sunlight. Um, we don't have as many sunny days as we would like. So our, our risk of developing vitamin D deficiency does does go up considerably. Um, so yes, the advice would be to take vitamin D supplements sort of in the autumn and winter months. And there's a set different advice um, for, for during pregnancy as well. So yes, yeah, so it's just been it's just being mindful of all of these things that can contribute to overall health health and well-being. And that's in pregnancy, but also before pregnancy and after pregnancy. And we want to make sure that we are as healthy as we can be and in the best, have the, the sort of best um, nutritional health to, to sort of help with the best outcomes for ourselves and the baby. Absolutely. I mean, I look out the window today and it's a prime example of a really grey, <laughs> disgustingly rainy day. Yeah, it's grim. <laughs> At the beginning of February and summer and the sun and sunlight just feels so out of reach. You just want to go on holiday, don't you? So um, I, yeah, I totally understand that about <laughs> vitamin D and I, I likewise am uh, getting that from a spray currently. So um, thank you for explaining further. Um, I hadn't actually heard of albumin or albumin before. Albumin, yep. That's the one. Mine came back as being low. What should I know about mm. that or what should what should we sort of discuss about that? Okay, so albumin is a, is a protein. It's made by the liver um, and it's the, the most abundant protein that we find in the blood. Um, it has a, a number of functions. It helps to sort of keep fluid within in blood vessels, um, but it also helps with the transport of vitamins and hormones around the body. Now, to have a low albumin isn't that uncommon in pregnancy. It is it's a fairly common finding. And that's because of the increase in blood volume that happens during pregnancy. So you imagine there's, there's so much more blood um, volume, you, you get what's essentially a dilution effect so that the, the concentration of the albumin comes down. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a, there's a, there's a problem. As I say, it would be a, a, a fairly common finding in pregnancy. Um, things that can cause albumin to become low, perhaps outside of pregnancy, would be if um, perhaps you had a condition that affected your ability to digest and absorb protein. So if you had some sort of malabsorption um, disorder, something affecting the, the digestive system, that could perhaps cause you to have a low albumin. Or if you had um, inflammation, that type of thing. So there, there are various things that can contribute to low albumin, kidney problems, liver problems, for example. Often in pregnancy, um, as I say, a low albumin is is a finding in normal pregnancy and generally just reflects that sort of dilution effect because of the increase in the blood volume. That makes complete sense. 
And then lastly, this is a big one in the trying to conceive and fertility community, um, mm-hmm. folic acid. So we're encouraged to take it in preparation mm-hmm. for conception. Um, and I've been taking additional folic acid supplements um, so, or prenatals um, for a year because I had IVF twice yeah. last year um, and throughout pregnancy. So mine has been flagged on the every mother test as coming back as high which i'm confused about because i thought we were encouraged to take the supplement um or folic acid or folate in pregnancy so what happens if folic acid is high so you're absolutely right folic acid is is essential you know preconception and, and especially during the early stages of pregnancy so of course always follow the recommended guidelines for um, folic acid uh, folate supplementation um, yes you, your result did flag as, as as higher than the sort of reference range but this isn't necessarily a, a bad thing it's not necessarily highlighting a problem and it mostly reflects the it's most likely to reflect the fact that you are supplementing so you you're taking additional folic acid and that's just pushed you slightly higher than the sort of standard reference range if you imagine for for folic acid levels there's no reason to to believe that a high folic acid would be would be harmful as i said it's it's only just it's most likely because of that um supplementation that it's just tipped you above the sort of normal uh, reference range, if you like, but it's not thought to be harmful to take um, supplements. And certainly we would never contradict the the advice that that is out there. So there's no reason to to not take um, folic acid supplements. And certainly if you had any concerns um, about your, your supplement regime, that's something you could perhaps discuss with your midwife. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's been so great to go through um, the finer details of what's involved in the Every Mother test. And also, uh, Randoc's Health do have an amazing array of tests from fertility testing, male fertility testing, women's health, pregnancy, postpartum, as we've just mentioned. So please follow our description to the podcast and snag 10% off with discount code TRB10. Um, I had a fantastic in-clinic experience having the test done and I've had a comprehensive booklet sent to me outlining my results as well as talking them through with Laura afterwards. So thank you so much for your time, Laura. It's been really, really interesting to learn more. Oh, no, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure to talk with you. Thank you.